0: are listening to the Mystical City of God in a year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a year podcast group, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 8, Paragraphs 544 to 556. 544 These infused species in the Most Blessed Mary were founded upon the essence of God himself, because they represented all things to our understanding, in the same way as a mirror represents objects to our eyes and makes themselves known to us without obliging us to inspect them directly. In this manner, she was aware in all things of whatever was for the good of the children of the church, of what she was to do for them in their labors and difficulties, and of the manner in which she was to promote the fulfillment of the divine will in heaven and on earth. Favored by this kind of vision, she was enabled to make her petitions in such a way as to have them all granted by the Lord. From this kind of insight, the Lord exempted in her the works which she was to perform in obedience to the commands of St. Peter and St. John, and sometimes requested by some of the other apostles. The Heavenly Mother herself had asked for this exemption because she did not wish to interrupt her practice of obedience, which she loved so much, and also because she wished to make it plain that through obedience the will of God is known with such certainty and the obedient person needs no other means or byways of finding the will of God than this obedience to the commands of superiors. For this is, without a doubt, what God wishes and commands, and therefore is right. 545. For all her other doings, then, except what pertain to obedience and Holy Communion, the understanding of the Most Blessed Mary did not depend upon her intercourse with sensible creatures, nor on the images of the senses. But of all of them, she remained independent and undisturbed, enjoying the abstractive vision of the divinity without interruption, either awake or asleep, working or at rest, without need of forethought or reasoning, what was most perfect or more agreeable to the Lord about the necessities of the church, or the time and manner coming to its aid. All this was present to her mind in the vision of the divinity, just like to the blessed through the beatific vision. And just as the least important of the knowledge of the blessed is that concerning the creatures, so also, besides what our great queen knew concerning the state of the church, its government, and of all the souls, the principal object of her knowledge were the incomprehensible mysteries of the divinity, which she comprehended more deeply than the highest seraphim and saints. With this heavenly bread and nourishment she was sustained in that solitude prepared for her by the Lord. In it, she was solicitous for the church without being disturbed, busily employed without inquietude, attentive without distraction, and in all things she was full of God within and without, clothed with the purest gold of the divinity, immersed and absorbed in the incomprehensible sea. Yet at the same time, she was attentive to all her children and their welfare, finding no rest except in the ministrations of her maternal charity. 5.46 This was the reason. Why the two wings of an eagle were given to her, for by them she raised herself to the solitude, where the thoughts of neither angels or men could ever soar, and by them she descended from that unattainable height, and flew to the aid of mortals, not haltingly, but with the lightest and swiftest flight. O prodigy of the omnipotence of God! O unheard-of miracle which so clearly manifests His infinite greatness! Our understanding fails us, our comprehension is suspended, and our powers are exhausted in the contemplation of such a hidden sacrament. Happy golden ages of the beginnings of the church, when it held such treasures within it, and fortunate we, if if we could, in our own unhappy times, as far as is possible, and as far as our necessities and miseries require, see these signs and wonders renewed through his most blessed mother. 547. The happiness of that age and the manner in which the Most Holy Mother used her powers will be better understood if we adduce some practical instances of the assistance rendered by her to the souls. One was that of a man living in Jerusalem and well known in the city, because he held a prominent position and was endowed with more than an ordinary mind and some moral virtues. As for the rest, he was a zealous upholder of the ancient law, like St. Paul, and a bitter opponent of the teachings and the law of Christ the Saviour. The Blessed Mary knew this in the Lord, and through her intercession God had prepared the way for his conversion. On account of his good standing in the opinion of others, the Blessed Lady desired very much to convert and save him. This she asked of the Most High with ardent love and fervor, and the Lord granted her the request. Before the Most Blessed Mother entered the new state of being, she had applied her great prudence and insight to find means of converting this soul. But now this kind of study was no longer necessary, for she needed only to attend to the Lord, where, at her request, all that she had to do for his conversion was made clearly manifest. 5.48. She saw that this man was to come to her through the preaching of St. John, and that she need only tell St. John to preach where this Jew would hear him. The evangelist obeyed her orders, and at the same time the guardian angel of that man inspired him with the desire of seeing the mother of the crucified, whom all praised as a loving, modest, and pious woman. The Jew did not at that time foresee any spiritual good possibly to result from this visit, because he had not the divine light for such knowledge. But without proposing to himself any such ends, he desired to visit the great lady out of calculating curiosity, merely in order to see who this woman— so much spoken of by others might be. But when he came into the presence of the Most Holy Mary and looked upon her, while with heavenly prudence she spoke to him, he was entirely changed into a new man. He immediately prostrated himself at the feet of the great queen, confessing Christ as the Savior of the world and asking to be baptized. He received baptism then, and there at the hands of St. John, and whilst the words of baptism were pronounced, The Holy Ghost came in visible form upon this man, who thenceforward was distinguished for his holy life. The Heavenly Mother sang a hymn of thanksgiving for this great and wonderful favor. 5.49 Another inhabitant of Jerusalem, deceived by her cousin, versed in witchcraft, apostatized from the faith. As the Blessed Lady knew all things in the Lord, she was aware of her fall. In great affliction, the lady applied herself to tearful prayers and exercises of atonement for the return of this woman, for she knew that such willful falling away in those who had once given themselves to the pursuit of eternal life always makes a return much more difficult. The prayers of the Most Blessed Mother readily paved the way for the salvation of this soul, deceived by the serpent. Immediately, the queen saw that this woman should be warned and exhorted by St. John in order to bring her to a sense of her evil deed. St. John spoke to her. She listened and confessed her sin to him, thus being restored to grace. The Blessed Mary afterwards exhorted her to persevere and resist the demon. 5.50 Lucifer and his demons dared not disturb the church in Jerusalem during the presence of the Queen, whom they feared to approach, for her power filled them with fear and drove them to flight. Instead, they sought to make conquests among the baptized of those ports of Asia, where St. Paul and the other apostles were preaching. They succeeded in perverting some to apostasy, and to cause disturbance or hindrance in the preaching of the gospel. The most zealous princess knew of the machinations of the dragon and asked the Lord for assistance, if it should be proper under the circumstances she received answer that she might act as the mother of the queen and mistress of all creation, and that she had found grace in the eyes of the Most High. Thus, encouraged from on high, she clothed herself with invincible strength, and like the faithful spouse who rises from the couch, leaves the bridal chamber and the throne of her bridegroom, and arms herself to defend him against his assailants. So the valorous lady, armed with divine power, rose up against the dragon, snatched the prey from his maw, wounding him by er cut wounding him by the power of her virtues, and commanding him again to sink into the abyss, and as she commanded, so it was fulfilled. Many other innumerable wonders wrought by our queen could be cited, but these will suffice to indicate the state in which she then was constituted, and the way in which she operated therein. five fifty one for greater perspicuity, and in connection with the reckonings given before, It remains to mention the year in which the Most Blessed Lady received this favor. When she betook herself from Jerusalem to Ephesus, she attained the age of 54 years, three months, and 26 days, and her voyage took place in year 40 of the birth of Christ, on the 6th of January. She remained in Ephesus two and a half years, returning in the year 42, on the 6th of July, and in the year 56, and 10 months of her age. The first council mentioned above was held by the apostles two months after the queen returned from Ephesus, so that during the council the Most Blessed Mary completed her 57th year. Then succeeded the battles and triumphs and her elevation to the the exalted state herein described in the beginning of the 58th year. In the year of our Lord the Savior, 42 and 9 months, this state lasted 1260 days, mentioned by St. John in the 12th chapter and then she passed to another which i shall describe farther on instruction which the queen of heaven most blessed mary gave me 552 my daughter none of the mortals have any excuse for not ordering their lives in imitation of the life of my divine son and of my own for we were an example and a model for all no one can be without blame if in its own state he is not perfect having before his eyes the incarnate God who became the teacher of holiness for all the states of life. Some souls, however, are by the divine will chosen and set apart from the common order, in order that they may enjoy more of the fruit of his blood, imitate more perfectly his life and mine, and cause his divine goodness, omnipotence, and mercy to shine forth more resplendently. Whenever these chosen souls... Faithfully and fervently correspond with the Lord, only worldly ignorance will wonder that he should show himself so liberal in exerting his power to overwhelm them with favors and blessings beyond all human conception. Whoever places such wonders of his beneficence in doubt will only hinder the glory God seeks in his works. Such unbelievers attempt to measure them by the restricted and curtailed capacity of the human mind, which in them is usually depraved and obscured by their own sins." 5.53, And if the chosen souls themselves are so gross as to doubt his benefits, or do not dispose themselves to receive and use them prudently, or with the esteem and appreciation due to the operations of God, then no doubt they offend his majesty much more than others, to whom no such blessing or talents are vouchsafed. The Lord does not wish the bread of the children to be cast to the dogs, Matthew 15.26, nor his pearls to those who tread them underfoot or despise them. Matthew seven seven, For these blessings of special grace are the reserves of his highest providence and the capital of the price of redemption. Reflect then, my dearest, that such faults are committed by those souls who are diffident in arduous or adverse events, or who shrink from the Lord or hinder him, when they are singled out as the instruments of his power for their service. Their sin is still more reprehensible when they refuse to confess Christ and all such works for fear of the difficulties connected with them and of the gossip of the world concerning such new undertakings, when they act in such a manner that they serve God and do His will only when it coincides with their own, or if they practice virtue only when it is accompanied by such and such conveniences, or love only when it does not disturb their tranquility or if they believe or acknowledge benefits only when swinged by caresses, as soon as adversity or labor is to be encountered for the sake of God, they at once give way to discontent, sorrow, and discouragement and impatience, by which they frustrate the designs of the Lord and make themselves incapable of perfection and virtue. 5.54. All this arises from a deficiency of prudence, knowledge, and true love, which prevents these souls from looking to their own and their neighbor's advance. For they look to themselves rather than to God, and are governed more by self-love than divine love and charity. Tacitly, they are guilty of great presumption, since they attempt to direct God's will and even to reprehend it, professing their readiness for great labors in His service under such and such conditions and their inability under other conditions." They are unwilling to risk their credit and their comfort, even for the common good and for the glory of God. They think that as they do not openly proclaim their refusal, they do not make themselves guilty of this temerity. Yet it is the devil who conceals it from them, in order that they may incur guilt. 5.55 In order that thou, my daughter, mayest not fall into this monstrous sin, thou shouldst discreetly ponder what I give thee to understand and record and how much I desire thee to imitate me. I could not fall into such sins, yet in continual watchfulness I prayed to the Lord to govern me in all my actions according to his will and pleasure only, and I gave myself no liberty of doing anything that was not according to his greater pleasure. Hence I sought for myself the forgetfulness and the retirement from all creatures. Thou art subject to sin, and thou knowest how many snares the dragon by himself and through the creatures has laid an order to lead thee into it. Hence thou hast good reason for ceaselessly beseeching the Almighty to govern thee in all thy actions, and for closing the portals of thy senses in such a way as to exclude from thy interior every image or figure of mundane and earthly things. Renounce, therefore, thy free will into the hands of thy God, and yield it to every pleasure of the Lord and mine. And what thou must necessarily transact with creatures for the fulfillment of the divine law and of charity admit no image except what is unavoidable and immediately ask that the remembrance of what is not necessary be blotted out of thy mind concerning all thy works words and thoughts consult with god with thy angels and with me for we are always with thee consult also with thy confessor wherever possible all that thou dost or resolvest without thy consultation, hold in suspicion and as dangerous, and only by comparing it with my teachings thou canst ascertain whether it agrees or disagrees with the will of God. 5.56 Above all, never lose sight of the essence of God, for the light of faith which thou hast received is to serve especially for this purpose, since this is to be thy last end. I wish that even in mortal life thou attain this vision as far as is possible to thee with the divine grace. It is indeed time that thou cast out those vain fears and suggestions by which the enemy has sought to hinder and detain thee from giving constant credit to the blessings and favors of the Lord. Begin to be prudent and strong in this confident faith, and deliver thyself entirely to the pleasure of his majesty, in order that he may do with thee and in thee what shall be the best for his service." This concludes our reading today for day number 339. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 8, Paragraphs 544 to 556. Toward the end of our reading today, before the instruction that then we listen to, I just love when we get little anecdotes of people who have experienced grace because of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Like that person who has really no interest. But then as soon as he enters into the presence of Our Lady, something hits him and his heart is immediately converted. I think these stories that we hear, and I, I hope they're true as Maria of relates them, this lady who makes her confession after she apostatized and dabbled in witchcraft again, a story that really is inspiring in my opinion. But I think that's true for all of these different stories, too, that throughout our faith, throughout the history of the church, these stories have been handed down generation to generation. Maybe even in your own family, there's a story of a grace that someone received. And maybe it's impacted your family to a certain degree and Uh, shapes and forms, some of the actions or devotions that you might have. The power of stories convicts people's hearts. They hear a story of God's grace, and then they are strengthened to hope for similar graces for themselves. They don't give up. They don't lose hope. Maybe as a practice today, Something you could do is to consider a story of Mary's intervention in your life. How have you felt Our Lady's presence? Think of that story, and if you get the chance, maybe share it with someone. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today. I hope you join me again tomorrow.